This show is designed to give general information related to investing in finance. Neither Aaron Katzman, his guests, nor the radio station are rendering legal, tax, or specific investment advice. If you need such advice, contact a licensed advisor. And welcome to the Aaron Katzman Show. I'm your host, Aaron Katzman. We speak about your life, your money, and your investments. And as always, we're coming to you from the spiritual and soon-to-be financial capital of the world, Jerusalem. Israel, as always, I need to keep reminding you, if you like this, please hit the like button below. And if you've not yet done so, I strongly encourage you to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Get your friends and your family and your spouses and your pets. Anybody's, anybody's got a device, get them to, uh, to subscribe as well. So we are continuing due to popular demand. And that really is true. That's not like, like a tagline. People really seem to like this. Um, we are going to continue to speak about entrepreneurship. And today, it's my honor to bring to the show Nir Yuchtman, who has a company called Yuchti, Premium Vegan Ice Cream. Cool, huh? He was born in Israel, but um, already as a toddler, uh, he left. He went to Argentina, and then he was more or less raised in the U.S., um, in New Jersey. He attended Penn State, Nittany Nit Nit Lion Town, right, for those uh, sports fans, um, where he started his degree in food science. Um, he came back to Israel, was in the IDF, um, started studying in Hebrew University's Faculty of Agriculture, did, after his degree, did an internship at the Dairy Yotvata in the desert. Everybody who's in Israel and has ever driven to a lot knows that because you stop off and you get free chocolate milk and stuff for your kids. I'd like to welcome Nir to the show. Thank you, Aaron. Thanks for having me. I appreciate Thank that. So let's, let's, start, let's start discussing. You're doing premium ice cream. How did you ever get to vegan premium ice cream? That seems sort of random. Right. So I, so from the outside, it might be a little bit weird uh, at first, but it is, uh, there is some history behind it. So uh, as, as you mentioned, I did attend Penn State uh, about 11, 12 years ago. When I was in. Uh, and what's cool about Penn State is that they have their own ice cream factory on campus. Cool. They're actually pretty well regarding their ice cream. Yeah, it is. It was a fun time for sure. Uh, and I started, like you mentioned, I started my food science degree there. And one of the things uh, we got to do in, during that course was get a tour of the factory. Like see like the inner workings of the factory, how they produce the ice cream, where it's sourced from, usually from local uh, dairy farmers. And that's kind of where I got the inspiration to start an ice cream business. I said already at the age of 18 that this is what I would like to do uh, one day in the future. So I had that in the back of my mind. Mm -hmm. um, about uh, four years later, I was out of the army. I decided to continue my degree in, uh, as you mentioned, the Faculty of Agriculture in Hebrew U. And I completed my food science degree there. Uh, and actually, in the last year of my degree, uh, a representative of an alternative meat company that's based in California came to give a lecture about plant-based meats. And uh, what I thought was interesting during his lecture is that he, he didn't talk about, you know, being vegan or vegan ideology or anything. He spoke only from the point of view that we need to start creating alternative food sources for a growing population. Um, 
in such a way that won't hurt the environment. Uh, and in order to do that, you wanna focus more on plant-based alternatives and try to focus less time and energy on raising more uh, cows, cattle, livestock in general. And he said the only way uh, you can get somebody who isn't vegan to consume or want to buy, uh, let's say a burger that's plant-based and not meat-based is if it tastes and feels like the real thing. Mm -hmm. um, so I thought that was pretty neat that that's their agenda. It's environmentally um, motivated agenda uh, with the purpose of making high quality food. And that's what I was into. I was into uh, the idea of making high quality foods. So I said, that's pretty cool. If you could take that idea and apply it to ice cream and make non-dairy ice cream that tastes like and feels like the real thing, then that's another um, like uh, environmentally friendly uh, food source. This, in so this case, the dessert. So we're talking about plant-based plant based ice yes. cream? Yes, plant-based, uh, no eggs, no dairy. And the whole idea was to make the texture at least uh, creamy, uh, the same way that dairy-based ice cream feels creamy. Um, and so that's where the idea, to, I combined the ideas of uh, a vegan product and an ice cream product into one. And in addition to it being uh, better for the environment, it's also, it was also a way for me to differentiate myself from other ice cream companies because there's so, you know, it's, it's almost all been done already. You know, you have all different flavors of ice cream, all different types. So there isn't a lot of room for ingenuity. And here I found an idea of how I can make an ice cream that's different. You mentioned the texture is similar. Is the taste similar? Does it have like a, are you sort of recreating the taste of, uh, of ice cream? Are we going to be surprised? when we taste it. Right, so um, that's uh, and it, something I put an emphasis on when I uh, introduce it to people. I say the goal is to make the texture, that it, it, it will be hard for them to, the taster to differentiate between uh, dairy and plant-based ice cream regarding the texture. I wanna make it creamy, but regarding the taste, uh, it's, I, I haven't been able, nor have I tried to replicate the taste of dairy because dairy milk, has such a uh, distinct taste and flavor that uh, once you introduce plant-based uh, ingredients, it's very hard and I'm not even sure if it's possible to recreate. There are a lot of attempts to create um, like a cultured dairy, but not plant-based dairy. And so my goal was to make the did not make an attempt to make the taste of the dairy because as i mentioned the dairy has its own unique taste and is it like tofuti like I, I know there's like tofuti ice cream right well it's not really ice cream but it's sort of i guess it's right. soy based or whatever this is different i i assume correct based on coconut and cashew i specifically chose those two fats as my base because i believe they give the ice cream a creamier texture um and as far as taste goes they're more neutral in taste uh, the coconut ice, the coconut oil itself is uh, refined, so you don't have that uh, coconut flavor where you don't want it. Um, and in terms of the texture, it gives a better profile for the ice cream. The melting profile uh, mimics the melting profile of cream. And so when you have it in your mouth, you really feel like, you know, the, the as far as the mouthfeel goes, that you're eating real dairy ice cream. Now, I assume you started this in your house. 
your apartment or something. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you started in the lab, right? But how do you get from producing a really, I assume, very small quantity to sort of scaling, right? And I know in the food business, that's always a problem. It's probably even doubly the problem in a small market like Israel. Can you tell us a little bit about that process, like taking it from your kitchen to store shelves? Right. So in the beginning, I did kind of turn my kitchen into a mini lab. Um, it was kind of only just for ice cream making. Um, and then later on, I... Uh, like I made a, I renovated like a workshop. So that's the place where I was able to produce a lot of the ice cream. I invested in larger machines. At first I started out with like a homemade ice cream maker, one you can easily find in stores or online. Um, and once I managed to get a line of products that I thought were good enough, I started investing uh, money in larger machines so I could make larger quantities of ice cream. And, uh, uh, once I got a larger machine, I got an even bigger machine after that. And so now I can produce a good amount of ice cream considering the resources I have. I am, uh, as you mentioned, upscaling is a big challenge for uh, small food manufacturers because the leap is such a huge leap. Like there's almost no middle ground. You have to, you're either, you're either all in or, or you don't do it. So right now I'm in the process of moving the production to a factory. Um, it does have its hurdles, but uh, that's the direction that it's going. And that way I'll be able to provide uh, ice cream to more people and make it more available throughout the country. Where is it available right now? What kind of flavors do you have? Right now it's available in central Israel, north, like up to the Ranana area and south to the Jerusalem area. So those are kind of like the two borderlines where the ice cream is being uh, sold. And in terms of flavors, I have right now seven flavors, working on two more that are on the way. And that's already um, pretty, it may not sound like a lot because when you go into an ice cream parlor, uh, you have like 20 different types. But when you're talking about manufacturing and trying to scale up, the more flavors you have, it makes the manufacturing process more difficult because think each time you make a flavor, you have them. Um, and so that is a relatively high amount. And, and I'm keeping it until the future. How do you get the word out? You just like, you know, pull up a table in Dizengoff Square and give people samples? Like, how are you, you know, how do you spread the word about the ice cream? It's very close what you said to, so in a store that I'm selling the ice cream to, for example, I'll uh, come on a Friday when usually the store has more traffic and I'll set up a table and I'll hand out free samples. And I'll start telling people about the ice cream because one of the biggest challenges challenges of the food industry in general, but any industry is that uh, the, the branding, just getting the brand out there, making sure that people know who you are. Um, so I'm there and I'm giving out the sample product. And the, the question that I get asked the most is, okay, you're offering ice cream. What's special about your ice cream? Because there's so many out there. And so I explained to them that it's from high quality ingredients, that it's different, uh, non-dairy. And yeah, it's a lot of, you know, legwork because you're there and you have to be there physically. And when you, when people get to speak to the guy who makes the ice cream, that a much uh, added effect um, into the likelihood that they will try it. They're more likely to try it if they're getting it from the person who's making it. Right. Um, so yeah, that's, that's one of the main ways. That's actually the most effective way to get the word out because in the end, right. The proof is in the pudding. Somebody gets to taste the ice cream. If he likes it, great. If he doesn't, he doesn't. And it's also a way for me to get to know, to get a feel of the market. 
to see how people are reacting to my product and if I should continue which flavors are better, which aren't as good, uh, which I can improve on. So the, actually the tasting and the sampling is uh, a very important part of the marketing. Did you always have sort of an affinity? Did you always want to have your own business? And okay, that's question number one, but you started a company with no business experience. Is that right? Correct. And how was that? All right. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'll get to the first part of the question. Okay. I guess I, I always knew that I wanted to be an entrepreneur, um, you know, just from a relatively early age, you know, living in the, in the States, in the suburbs. I don't think there's a kid who hasn't tried to do a lemonade stand or, or you know, uh, uh, shovel people's driveways for extra money. So I kind of took it to the next level. I made a lemonade stand found out, you know, that it wasn't getting out of traffic. So I got a wagon, brought it out to a nearby park, started selling it at baseball games, took it to another level. So I really enjoyed doing things like that in my childhood, uh, kind of starting like small ideas like lemonade or shoveling people's drivers or doing garage sales and working for myself. So uh, I guess it was always there. Um, and when I was, as I mentioned, I, I at that point I already knew that I wanted to start my own business, specifically in ice cream. And as you said, I don't have a degree in business management. I never ran a business or a restaurant or anything like that. Um, but I think that if, if you believe that you are able to manage something that and you're passionate about it, then you can learn as you go along uh, the things you need to do to manage a business correctly. Of course, that comes with a lot of mistakes and there's a learning curve, but that's just part of the, I guess you can call it the tuition um that you have to pay so i came with a great passion and i said the rest i'll learn on the way now it must be sort of difficult for you because you basically grew up outside of israel you right you came back to israel uh in your 20s and you know you might have always dreamt that you were going to be an entrepreneur but did you necessarily dream that you're going to be an entrepreneur a in israel and b what's it like to have to sort of deal with i guess what's for you a little bit like it was for me, like, a, you know, starting a business in a foreign land, basically, with a foreign culture and language, forget about, but just the way of doing things is different than it was where you grew up in Tenafly. For sure. So uh, I did know that I wanted to come back to Israel. I have uh, roots here and I was born here. And that was always in the back of my mind. In America, especially, I, you know, as much as I love America and I had a great childhood and everything was great, I, I never identified American. I already knew that I was going to come back to Israel and build a life here. Um, and so, as you mentioned, uh, things are very different here. The culture is different. People are a little bit more, a little bit more abrasive, which is very different than uh, Tenafly, New Jersey, for sure. But, you know, when you're, and, and by the way, like as an Ole, I think the question Olim get asked the most by Israelis is, is what are you doing here? You know, it's uh, not an easy country to live here. Um, the economy is better in maybe in other places, uh, political situation, not the best fifth elections in four years, uh, not to mention the security situation, but if you're in a place where you feel you belong, then it makes all the difficulties and everything else worth bearing. And I think that, um, a business is very similar because a business also has its fair share of challenges, especially here in Israel. 
Um, there's, you know, difficulty and frustration and even loneliness at times, similar to being in Ole. But if you, you're doing what you feel like you're supposed to be doing, then as I mentioned, learning everything, because if you're passionate and you believe that that's your role, then you're willing to take on the challenges of that. And that's how I feel. So I, one of the things that keeps coming up is that um, you talked about the uh, abrasiveness um, of Israelis. Obviously, what comes to mind, I've said this before, is, you know, uh, Israelis are like the Sabra, right? They're uh, prickly on the outside, but they're sort of sweet on the inside. Um, a lot of people have said that there's a special affinity they have for entrepreneurs and that people, when you tell them you're starting a business or whatever that business is, they're just willing to give their time and to talk to you. And they, they really warm up and they, you know, they, they want to, they want to help. Have you found that? I have found in some places. I've found it, especially in uh, other business owners who kind of, I guess, see themselves in a lot of uh, people who are starting up their business and they can give tips and advice. And, you know, that's uh, very helpful, especially when you you hear about their hardships and what they had to go through because you're able to say okay i'm not the i'm not the only one you know i'm not alone in this people mm -hmm. have done it before me and if they could do it maybe i could do it so right. uh there's a lot of that and also you know pe people like to root for uh for people who follow their dreams it's uh i think people find a lot of inspiration in that um and so maybe that's the reason why uh you feel that support interesting a lot of people who watch this are either recent olim or they're contemplating making Aliyah, right? And they're also thinking about, well, should I just get a nine to five job? Or should I like, you know, take the plunge and, and, and start my own business, even though it's not an, a new app or a new software comp company, right? It's an old economy or whatever. Would you tell them to do that? Would you, would you encourage them, you know, to follow their dreams and start a business? Well, the first thing I would say to a person who's thinking about entrepreneurship is, you know, do you feel like if you have an idea that you're passionate about, do you feel that that's what you're supposed to be doing? That's your place. And if you are able to say yes to that question, then I think you owe it to yourself to at least make an attempt. Um, you know, you might find out, find out later that maybe uh, you're not fit to be an entrepreneur. Maybe you are, but at least you won't regret not making that attempt. And if you feel like that's what you should be doing, then at least uh, try. And yeah, and regarding making Aliyah, I would say a uh, similar you know, if you feel like that's where you need to be, you should give it a go. Okay. And finally, do you have any tips for potential entrepreneurs out there? Yeah, I guess the, the biggest tip I can give is never, never believe that there's a job that's beneath you. And what I mean when I say that is when you're starting a business, you're going to have to do a lot of things that maybe weren't exactly a part of your dream when you're thinking about it. So you sampling before where I give out free sampling. When I met, when I envisioned uh, building an ice cream company, I didn't exactly envision myself standing on Fridays for hours in the sun giving people samples. And you know it's kind of like cold calling. You get a lot of no's. Mm -hmm. And in Israel, people will tell you what they're thinking for better and for worse. So uh, don't be afraid to do the jobs that you know you think maybe are are less. There's no, in my opinion, there's no such thing. Every job somebody has to do it, whether it's cleaning the floors or cleaning the machines or making the deliveries, getting in the cars and driving for six, seven hours a day, whatever it may be. If you have a dream that you want to do, you got you to gotta be ready to do everything and not think that it's a bad thing. So never believe that there's a job that's beneath you. That's great.
I wholeheartedly uh, think that up until now, that is the best piece of advice um, that, that the entrepreneurs have given us for sure. Right. You, you know, we all have that dream, but in order for the, for the dream, for the dream, you know, to, to become reality, you might have to clean the toilets in your office or whatever it is, oh, yeah. right? You've got to do whatever you got to do because you're probably going to be a one-man show at the beginning. Nir, thanks so much for, for coming on. Good luck with the ice cream. This was really, really interesting. Thank you, Aaron. And thanks for shining a light on the low-tech businesses in Israel. My pleasure. You've been tuning in to the Aaron Katzman Show. We speak about your life, your money, and your investments once again. Be sure to like this content and all the other content. If you've not yet done so, please be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Thanks so much for tuning in and we'll speak to you soon.